Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Worship was great. The preparation of our hearts. One of the, one of the reasons we do worship before a message is simply to open up our hearts to God. And uh, it's a powerful, powerful way of experiencing God and, uh, and allowing us to have an open heart to God's word that um, he wants to speak to us this morning. There are several things that I'm so excited about. Um, and the first is honoring a very special person in our church. And that is simply uh, Gracie Soto. If you don't know Gracie, um, <laughs> Gracie this week, and she's right back here, she turned 90 this year. And <clears throat> we, don't often, we don't often advertise uh, ladies' ages um, and those kinds of things, but this is a proud mile marker for her, and we are so excited that you made it to 90 and hopefully to 100, and we continue just to celebrate your life and everything that you bring. And most importantly, Gracie, you bring faith. Your, your excitement for Jesus, your love of him uh, is always evident on your face and everything that you do. So with that said, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Gracie. Happy birthday to you. Yes. Oh, so great to honor you. And one of the cultural things that we do at Journey is make sure that we understand that there's never a time where we're not standing on somebody's shoulders. People have gone on before us and have made statements of faith, have allowed this building to be in existence for Journey and all these kinds of things that people have done and been a part of, and we stand on their shoulders. So we will always honor those that are older than us. Um, I'm starting to get to that point where there's not that many older than me. So um, someday I'll honor myself. And, uh, <clears throat> but for, for now, it's just a, a, a cultural thing that we will have as a church is recognizing those that have gone on before us. Gracie is one of those, and she is a statement of God's glory in her life. Um, we want to recognize, yes. <clears throat> I want to recognize today that today is uh, one of those, um, it's not a celebration, but certainly a recognition of what happened almost 21 years ago on September 11th when uh, our nation was attacked and um, we responded. And since then, there's been tragedy and, and war and different things. And, and right now, we just need to recognize that uh, no matter what happens in our country, God is the, the, what our country needs. And um, if it's evident ever before, it's evident today that God needs, uh, that our country needs God. And we can be the testimony, the story, the blessing to those um, around us. And no matter what happens, whether it's a tragedy like 9-11 or um, some other thing, the answer to anything that happens is God. And we are the testimony of that to our world. Hopefully when you came in, you received a, a sheet like this. It's our a vision narrative. It's our 2020, uh, 2022 vision narrative. Now what a vision narrative is, is it's a, a guideline for our church, for our leadership, for all of us. 
It helps us understand what God is speaking to me as, as, as your pastor and to our leaders and how we are focusing our energy. You know, there's so many things that we could be doing. Um, we could be doing all kinds of different things, but God is always going to keep us focused. And I've learned that less is more. I've learned in, in my experience in ministry that the more focused we are, the better we are. And the more dispersed we are, the less effective we are. And so we're always going to keep ourselves well-focused and well-directed, uh, hopefully and prayerfully, by God. And so our staff has met, and we've gone through a process of developing this vision narrative. As always, we have our passion verse, which is um, <clears throat> Romans 15, 20 through 22. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written... Those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. We talk about this passion verse because Paul was talking to the Romans and saying, Hey, Romans, I have not come to you because other people need Jesus. And I am always going to prioritize the, the value of reaching people that have yet to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Our mission statement is simply this. Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, Journey Church Ventura exists to enter the journeys of those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness while at the same time developing fully devoted disciples of Christ. That's our mission statement. So our mission statement is consistent with our passion, which is to enter into the journeys of those that have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. And we, we passionately live that out. And we hopefully and prayerfully continue to do that. Our current burden within, uh, is, is simply this, and it should be our burden always. But our current burden is, is simply this, winning souls and church growth. We want to grow as a church. And when we talk about growth, we're not just talking about our numbers. We're talking about winning souls to Jesus Christ. That is the mission. Amen? And then making those souls and developing those souls into disciples of Christ. And so what do we need to do to win souls? We need people to be excited about Jesus. We need people to be excited about their church. And believe it or not, we need people to be excited about kids. And those three things are what we are driving energy and passion and heart, heartbeat for. We want everyone to be excited about Jesus. When you're excited about something, you talk about it. When you're not excited about something, you don't, you, you know, or if you have a bad experience, you also talk about it. But what we want is you to be excited about Jesus, excited about your church, Journey Church, and we want you to be excited about kids. And those three things will grow our church because we believe that with the excitement about our God, with the excitement about our church, we will go out and talk about it. The best advertising for any church is word of mouth. We can do social media, we can do advertising in, in, in uh, all kinds of different ways, but the best and most effective advertising is simply getting excited about Jesus in your church. And when you do, you will, you will see that our church will continue to grow and we will begin to reach people that don't know Jesus. That's the whole point. And then what about kids? Kids are an impetus to encourage not only to see their lives one for Christ, because kids can accept Jesus, right? But they reach their parents. They go home and say, Mom, I want to go to church. <laughs> Dad, I want to go to church. And they bug them. And the goal is to get your kids bugging you. Okay? And other kids bugging their parents. 
So with that, that's our current burden, and that's what we want to drive for. So we see a church. We have a vision for a church who cares for its community by providing for its practical needs. We've already accomplished this part of the vision already by doing Serve the City Sunday um, uh, two Sundays ago where we, we packed in over um, almost 1,000 uh, lunch packs and hygiene packs. And I'm only going to hit these highlights um, and not, the, not necessarily all the details. We see a church who develops leaders who will carry ministry weight and responsibility. And so in, on October the 3rd, I think it's a Monday, I'm going to start an eight-week leadership training uh, course for anyone who wants to be or feels called to be. I don't want you to want to be. I want you to be called to be a leader. And so if you're a leader, on Monday nights from 6.30 to 8 o'clock for eight weeks, I'm going to train uh, the next group of leaders in our church, young and old um, not everybody's called, not everybody. You may go to this class and, and discover you're not called to be a leader. But if you desire to be a leader at Journey and carry ministry responsibility and weight, then I invite you to this uh, <clears throat> class. And, and we'll give you more details as time goes on. We see a church who weekly provides an environment where people walk away saying, I met with God today. Every Sunday, we want the experience that you have to be one that you walk away going, man, I met with God. It wasn't, wow, Pastor Ricardo's amazing, or wow, you know, worship was, it's, it's I met with God. That's what we want. That's what we desire. And uh, that's our passion. And so we are going to continue to focus on that as part of our vision. Um, we see a church who is known by its community through branding, social media, and intentional connection with guests. And there's a list of things that we're going to give energy to, but you will continue to see us grow in our efforts to get our word out, our name out in every way possible. But honestly, the best way is for us to be excited about our, our Jesus, our church, and our kids. And when we start talking about it, people are going to come with you and they will join you. We see a church who is effectively connecting with people, people uh, having a people focus, making sure that our relationships are, are strong and that you aren't being left alone. You can come to a service like this and walk out and feel like you were never connected with. And our goal is to make sure that that doesn't happen and that, that we're always connecting and that you have a way to connect. That's another value for groups is to make sure that you are in a group where you are connecting and, and having community and living life together with others. And so that's a very, very important way to get involved. And so there's other things that we are going to focus there. We see a church who is reaching youth with innovation and creativity. This last year, we've hired a youth pastor. Josh is our youth pastor, and he is already connecting with young people. And we're going to continue to do that over and over and over again and continuing to develop creative ways to reach students. And we see the same for children. We see a church who is reaching kids and parents with innovation and creativity. And uh, Captain Rebecca is our director of, of children's ministry, and she's doing a phenomenal job. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> you will continue to see focal points on that, and you can read those in this vision narrative. I would ask that you take this vision narrative, read it, pray over it, and ask God how you're going to get involved. We're unashamedly uh, aware that we cannot grow without you. We cannot grow. This is not Pastor Ricardo's thing. This is not our team's thing. This is all of our thing. And with all of us working together, we can grow and reach people who do not know Jesus. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. yeah. 
And so one of the values of vision is this is what we're going to say yes to. And understand that there's other things that we'll say no to. Even though they're good, and they may be great, but they're, they're not the timing for what we're saying yes to right now. Does that make sense? Okay. That's the value of vision. Called. That's the name of this series, Called. Have you been called? Not on the phone. You know, I mean, we, we, all, we all know what being called on the phone means. Somebody's calling you from a, a, a distant place that they can't just knock on your door or say hi to you face to face, but they're calling you. But being called is something that's unique to Christianity. It's something unique to who we are as Christians. And, and if you're here kicking the tires of faith, or you're here kind of wondering what Jesus is all about, this is going to help you understand that when Jesus is calling people out, when, when he's addressing people, he's asking them to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. And when he calls us out, of the world, and you'll understand this in just a minute, he is actually calling us out of something to something. And all of us are being called as Christians. Now, have you ever been told that something is easy? That you could put this together and even, even a child could put this together and even a monkey could put this together? Have you ever been told something like that? Come to find out you're not a child or a monkey? And you're having a hard time putting it together? Have you ever watched the YouTube videos and these guys make it look so easy to do something and then you go try and do it and it's just a mess? You ever tried that? I've had that happen a couple times and I thought, oh, I can do that. That's easy. But I didn't realize that they had years of putting that plaster on the wall or doing stuff that they, that they were doing and I, couldn't, I, I need years of practice before I could ever get close to what they were doing. Now, I have an apology to make to you. It's something that God has, has spoken in my heart about. This whole series is, is a series of, of understanding that um, we have a, a life to live that's mission-focused. And the apology is simply this. Us pastors, especially in America, tend to want to make being a follower of Jesus easy. We tend to, to want to make it so simple and so um, uncomplicated and so uh, unoffensive that you'll receive it. That you'll say, oh, I want to be a part of that. I want to just say this prayer and then I'm in. I want to say this prayer and then I, 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 I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior and, and I'm going to heaven. And that is exciting. That's amazing. And yes, we want you to say the prayer. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I believe you were raised from the dead. I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I'm saved. Woohoo! We clap. But there is so much more. And I want to apologize to you because I don't know that I've treated that fairly. I don't know that I've, I've clearly spelled out what it means to be called by God. I don't know what it really means. I, I, I want what the Lord has told me to do is simply this: is for the next five weeks, we're going to go through the sayings of Jesus and what it means to be called by Him. And what it means to, to genuinely, 
honestly be confronted with Jesus and have Jesus look us in the eye and say, follow me. What does that mean? Why, why isn't it easy? Why is it a big deal? What, what is so important to this? And I believe that today we're going to understand that Jesus was not soft on following. He was not, oh, I, oh yeah, just come hang, hang with me. Everything will be good. All will be easy. Simple, simple, simple. Just pray this prayer and all is good from that point on. Not that easy. Jesus makes clear that following him requires nothing less than all of us. Jesus makes it clear that following him requires nothing less than all of ourselves. You see, pastors have wanted to make it low commitment, high reward, and Jesus makes it high commitment, high reward. There's a difference. There's a big difference between what us pastors and us preachers kind of want to do sometimes to make everybody feel good is to, to make it a low commitment. It's easy. Don't worry. Just pray this prayer. But Jesus didn't do that. I'm going to land on this particular phrase for the next five weeks. Called people live with singular focus and unwavering resolve to accomplish a mission. Called people live with singular focus an unwavering resolve to accomplish a mission. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a guy that uh, gave his life, he has actually became a martyr for Christ, said this. He said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to die. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer actually did that literally later on in his life after he wrote that statement. He also wrote this. He said, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. In other words, we can say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, but I'm not going to change my life. Repentance is turning around. It's turning away from sin. And so we can say, Jesus, forgive me, but if we don't turn away from the sin that we're asking him to forgive, then we're not repenting. Cheap grace is preaching is the preaching of baptism without church discipline. Cheap grace is the preaching of communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, without a learning process that goes on. Cheap grace is a grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Cheap grace is not what God is calling us to. He's calling us to commitment. I'm going to ask Byron to come. And Byron, if you would, just step up. And Byron's going to read us a passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to talk about it. It's Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. I just thought it would be unique to have someone else read the Scripture, and then I'll talk about it after he's done. But thank you, Byron, for taking a moment to read this. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. Good morning, Journey. This morning we're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 16. Amen? All right. We'll start at verse 1, Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. 
Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Please forgive me. I just hit the wrong key here. <laughs> with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all you all. Be unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on the high, led captive, led captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what it is but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up for above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but by the slight of the men and cunning craftedness, cunning craftedness, excuse me, whereby thy live a lie in a wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in him and all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body filleth, joined together and capacity by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself and love. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. This passage simply tells us that there is a calling. It says in the very beginning of that passage, as a prisoner, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the... Anybody got it? Calling you have received. Calling. This idea of calling is simply this, is that we are called. It's a call to a task or a relationship to carry a responsibility. All of us are called. All of us. It's not just the pastor who has this special calling on his life. Actually, if you, if you look at the, the, the context of all of Scripture, which is a really good principle in, in uh, translating Scripture or teaching Scripture, is to let Scripture interpret itself to, all together so it all works together. And if you look at all of Scripture, I'm simply one part of many. 
Now have responsibility, and there is a higher level of accountability and responsibility as a leader, but it doesn't mean that I'm any more special than anybody else in the sense of simply I'm fulfilling my role, and we need everyone to fulfill your role because we are a body together, and everybody is called. And so we're called out, and we're given grace uh, in in verse 6, or Verse 8, it says, when he ascended on high, he took captive, took many captives and gave gifts to his people. These gifts are gifts of, of, of task, of ability, of, of responsibility, and, and there's all kinds of gifts that come with it. And so we all have gifts, and those gifts define our, our reason for being. It, it's actually important to, for us to understand that our function follows our design, not the other way around. Our design doesn't follow our function. In other words, if you try, if you're designed to be a screwdriver and you want to be a hammer, you're going to be hard to use. Now, I've used a screwdriver as a hammer before, and I've ruined several screwdrivers that way. I usually carry, uh, usually carry a, a Leatherman around, and I use that for a hammer all the time. It's not meant to be one. But it it's always takes more time and it's harder to use a tool that's not designed. So when you're designed, when you discover you, how you're made and then you function like you're made, it's fun. It's fun. And it's, it's a joy when, when we understand that. And, and the purpose of all of that is to uh, equip people for works of service. It says right here in verse 11, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. My job description as a pastor is to equip all of us for works of service. And that means that if someone's not working in the service of the Lord, we're not complete. Because we're called, all of us, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So we're always growing up. We're always becoming more mature. And then the very final part of this passage in verse 16 says, From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. So the calling of God from the very beginning of this passage to the end simply means this, is that all of us need to answer the call to follow God and his plan. All of us need to follow God and answer the call to his plan. And when we do, we discover the joy of being fulfilled in the purpose and the design that God's given us. So the first thing that we understand through this passage is simply God calls us out of the normal flow of the world, which is just existence, and into the purposeful flow of kingdom work, which is the calling. You can either exist and just live life and let life live you, or you can live a fulfilling life and answer the call of God. And so let's look at a few examples of this calling. In Mark chapter 1, verse 16, it goes like this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will 
send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Mark chapter 2, verse 13 says, Once again Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw, uh, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Now what's unique about these individuals is that first, they were doing something that they were designed to do, and when Jesus called them, they just left it. They left it. They left their, their, what their comfort was to their calling. They left it and they needed to hear and, and, and know that Jesus was calling them out. He was selecting them to come and follow me. And, and you, we are all called to follow. We are not all called to lead, but we are all called to follow. That's what makes good leaders, by the way. If you're a good follower, you can be a good leader. But if you're, a good, uh, if you're not a good follower, you're not qualified to be a leader. You hear that? Ouch, huh? We are called to follow. We are called to walk in the steps of Jesus. We're called to walk behind him. And I remember uh, following people in the snow. Have you ever done that and, and uh, just tried to step in their footsteps? That's exactly what it looks like to follow Jesus. We are doing everything we can to try and just step in his steps. That's why in, in Galatians it talks, walk in step with the Spirit. We are to walk in the steps of Jesus as we follow. And as he calls us out, he's saying, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow Jesus. This is the calling of God. This is the calling of God. And one of the most beautiful parts of this, this one passage in Mark is that he calls out a tax collector. Now, the tax collectors in those days were the most evil of the evil. And he calls out the tax collector. Pretty amazing. You're called. You're called to follow. You're called to walk in his steps. And Jesus is calling you right now. When he calls us, he demands that we follow without reservation or hindrance. We look at those disciples and they just immediately left their boat. They immediately left their tax collecting station and began to follow Jesus. And, and in Matthew chapter 8, verse 18, it says this, When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. First thing he says to this, this teacher of the law was, listen, whatever you think you're getting into, I don't even have a home. So if you're going to follow me, we're going to live in the dirt and the dust. Foxes have, have dens and, and, and birds have nests, but I don't have anything. And you're going to follow me? Are you sure? Are you sure you want in on this? Because whatever you think you're getting into... No matter how happy I'm making you right now, it won't be a happy experience. Then he says to another person, another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. 
You see, Jesus was completely destroying all perceptions of what it meant to follow him. Right? You want to follow the popular guy? You want to follow the, the, the person that knows and, and has all these, these followings, these hundreds of people following him, and it looks luxurious, it looks amazing, but Jesus is saying, listen, the first thing that has to happen in, in understanding if you're going to follow me is to understand that you have to completely destroy your perspective of what popularity looks like. You have to understand, I don't even have a bed to lay my head on. I want you to leave behind your father and your, your, your dead father. Let the dead bury their dead. Are you willing to let, a go, let go of tradition, let go of the law, and follow me? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to ban- abandon everything that you think you're about? And follow me. Are you willing to do that without reservation, without hindrance, move, removing all those things that keep us? I'll give when I can. I'll follow once these things are in place. You see, following doesn't require anything to be in place, it just means following. It just means doing whatever Jesus asks us to do, no matter the cost, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance. All hindrances, all reservations have to go out the door, and we just abandon everything to follow God. That's what he was calling. I'm, I'm, I'm just preaching God's word. Everybody okay with that? There's a lot of scripture here because I didn't want to go off track and preach Ricardo. So God calls us to follow without hindrance or reservation. Then he calls us to sacrifice our loyalties to follow him. Again, he says in Matthew chapter 10, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. What? For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That one's not hard. Just kidding. We need a little levity, right? A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Those are hard words. But Jesus is simply saying, if you're going to follow me, you have to abandon every loyalty you have. Everything that even makes sense, you have to abandon them to follow. Now, that does not mean we cannot follow and fall in love and marry and have kids. It just means that those relationships are secondary to the first one. And that you are willing to do whatever it takes to follow Jesus in the context of those relationships. That that means that those relationships don't drive you, but Jesus drives you and you bring those relationships with you. Amen? I'm honestly standing here in fear. Because I'm one of those pastors that want to make it easy. 
I'm one of those pastors that don't, doesn't want to offend you. But I want to preach the gospel. And I want to preach the truth. And the sword in this context simply means that you cut the ties. The sword comes to, to divide, not so that it's a division of, of, of relationship, but it's a division of loyalties in that the one loyalty that's most important to you, if there's anything in between you and Jesus, it gets cut. It gets cut. It doesn't mean you don't love your wife. It doesn't mean you don't love your kids. It doesn't mean you don't love your friends. It doesn't mean that you don't have dreams and, and wishes and hopes, but it does mean that the only thing that really takes precedent over everything is Jesus. And when that happens, we take up our cross. I've heard people say, you know, they, they have a cold and they, they, you know, well, we all have to bear our cross. That's no cross. Jesus is looking at you and going, that's not a cross. A cross means it's sacrifice. We're giving of our whole selves. A cross means that we no longer matter. It, what matters is the redemption of the world. What matters is the, the mission, the passion, the direction that Jesus is leading us. And if we follow that direction, if we follow that passion, then we are carrying a cross because that cross will mean that we are sacrificing. It's changing our lives. Let me just say this. If your life has not changed or if you think you have sacrificed and nothing has changed in your life, you have yet to sacrifice. You have yet to give up anything. Because once you give up, once you surrender, once you sacrifice everything, your life changes, your values change, your, your priorities change, your, 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 your everything changes. Your mind changes, your heart changes, your behavior changes, your relationships change, your motivations change. Everything changes when God calls us to sacrifice our loyalties to follow him. He uses strong words. He uses strong words and says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Several times in that passage, he says, they're not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more, more than me is not worthy of me. And they'll seem like, what? Wait a minute. I love my mom and dad. I love my kids. I love my wife. I love my husband. You want... Yeah. Jesus is saying that there has to be this point in our lives where we say that he's number one. And if we're not saying that, then we're not worthy of him. That's a hard saying, but it's true. I'm going to skip down. Actually, no, I'm not. Luke 14, verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Strong again. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So basically the same thing as he just said. And then suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost and to, to see if you have enough money to complete it? 
For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build but was not able to finish. My only challenge here is simply have you counted the cost of following Jesus? Because the cost is everything. No, you're not giving yourself for your salvation. That cost was paid on the cross. But to follow him requires all of us and everything. It requires a a 100% devotion. And have you spent any time counting the cost? It's essential. Lastly, God calls us to abandon ourselves. Who we are, what we are, what we think we are. He really does want you to live your original self the way he designed you. Mark 8 says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. We just went over that. Taking up that cross, denying ourselves, denying our wants, our wishes, our hopes, our desires for ourselves, whatever those are self motivated, we abandon those things so that we get a Jesus motivated hunger and passion for life. Let me tell you, it's far better than what we hunger for ourselves. What Jesus wants for us is far better than what we want for ourselves. And the only way to understand that is to surrender, to live in the context of a fully devoted life towards Jesus. And when we do, we will experience that joy. But until we do, it's, it's this tug of war. And you and I, I've experienced this tug of war over and over and over again in my life where I want this and I want that. And Jesus is going, hold on a second. Wait, wait, wait. Let's get what I want clear. And then when I fall into his plan, when I fall into his uh, desires for our lives and, and my life and my wife's life and my kids' lives, all those things, when I fall into his passion and desire, it goes so much better. And it's such a better experience. I just want to encourage you today. This this message is about evaluating the inside and making sure that we are willing to do what it takes to follow Jesus because we are all called to follow him. We are all called to walk in the steps of Jesus. We are all called to evaluate our loyalties. Is my loyalty to my wife more important than my relationship with Jesus? Is my loyalty to my kids more important than my relationship with Jesus? Is my loyalty to my job or to my, to my bank accounts or to my investments or whatever it may be, are my loyalties more important than my relationship with Jesus? That's the call to follow today. Are we willing to walk away? Are we willing to walk away from our jobs? Are we willing to walk away from... And, and I'm not telling you to go quit unless Jesus tells you to do that. I've I've, I've talked about this before, and somebody came up to me and said, so uh, you want me to go quit my job? Only if Jesus wants you to do that. That's all. That's all. And, And I believe that what God is doing in us today as a church is taking us to another level of relationship with him, another level of commitment. Like I said in the beginning, I want to apologize because I do believe that at times I've cheapened his grace. I've tried to make it too easy and too simple and not not communicate 
the cost of following Jesus. And this is the cost. We have to surrender everything. We have to deny ourselves. We have to abandon our loyalties. We have to give ourselves completely to him. And if we don't, we're not worthy to be a disciple. Yeah, are we going to struggle with it? Yes. You're going to walk away today and you're going to go, man, I don't know about that. But my encouragement to you today is to let the Holy Spirit help you abandon every loyalty you have that, that, that is above or equal to Jesus and become a fully devoted follower of Christ. That's the call. That's the call. It's a struggle. It's not popular with our culture. It's a challenge to do just individually, let alone corporately. But this is how we are going to live, church. We're going to live as a fully devoted follower, church of Christ. We're going to sacrifice everything we've got to do what he wants us to do, which is to enter into the journeys of those who have yet to discover his love, grace, and forgiveness. And as we do, we're going to experience the most amazing thing that God wants, and that is revival in our church, revival in our community, and a life change that we have never experienced before, or at least to the degree that he wants us to. And I'm confident of that. So I preach this in faith. I preach this in fear to some degree. But I want you to know Jesus is calling you. He's calling you to follow him. And today I'm asking you, will you count the cost? And will you say yes to Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the heartbeat of this message that simply says, Jesus, you are calling us and you want us to know what you're calling us to. You're calling us to a life of sacrifice. You're calling us to abandon our loyalties, not to give them up, not to give our our spouses up, our kids up, or our, our, our closest people that we love. But Lord, you're calling us to make sure that you are number one in everything. And so Lord, I pray today for these followers that we would follow you with abandon, that we would follow you without fear, that we would remove all hindrances and and hesitations, that we would abandon our loyalties, Lord, so that we can put you first in every aspect of our lives. Lord, I pray right now that you do your work in this room. May your word not Ricardo's word, but your word have the impact right now. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, work in your church. Holy Spirit, take the lives of each person, take all of our lives and challenge us as you challenge the people that followed you they challenged, they followed the popular you, but you wanted to be the Lord of their life, not the popular part of their life. Help us all to make you Lord of our lives, not just the popular person in our lives. I pray for each person here.
We're all on a journey and we're all in a different place. So I'm going to honor that right now by simply asking you to make your own decision. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just challenge every heart right now in Jesus' name. Challenge every heart in Jesus' name. May we all abandon ourselves to you. May we all give ourselves completely to you and abandon all that life has. And then you can bring what you want into our lives so that we are following in step with you. In the name of Jesus. I know it's running a little bit late, but I just want to say this one last thing. The altar call is not for Sunday, but for Monday. How will you live tomorrow different than you came in today? How will you live tomorrow? Will you take a stand at work? Will you tell a friend about Jesus? Will you stop doing the things that you've been doing to, to displease Jesus and start doing the things to please him? Will you discover who you are so that you can fit into the role that you're supposed to play in the body of Christ? Are you committed And if that's you today, I want you to walk out of here in faith, ready to live a different life today than you came in. Lord, I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to move again as you have been through this entire message, challenging all of us to take a step back and look at our lives and determine where we can put put you first in every area holistically, Lord, not just on a Sunday, not just on a a, a group night, but in all of our lives, may you be first. And may everybody in this room wake up tomorrow with the resolve to live live a mission-focused life. For that's how you lived, Lord. You lived with a mission in mind to reach a world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I pray for your touch your anointing, your power on every life in this room in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.